welcome to the seventh episode of Jack's Does Homestuck. My name is Jackie, aka Jax, aka Socially Anxious Dragon, and this is the second part of Act Two. There's this really cool dude, okay? He's standing around being all chill, like cool dudes are known to do sometimes. A cool dude like this probably has a real cool name, but he probably wouldn't just tell you what it was if you asked. He'd be way too busy for that busy being totally sweet. But you could always try to guess his name, and if you were right, he might nod ever so slightly. That's just a cool dude's way of letting you know there might just be hope for you yet. Enter name. Insufferable Prit. This guy doesn't have time for this sort of bullshit. Try again. Dave Strider. Examine room. Your name is Dave. It is an unseasonably warm April day. Your bedroom window is open to let some air in, and your fan is cranked. Arguably, even more cranked would be your fly beats, which brings us to your variety of interests. A cool dude like you is sure to have plenty. You have a penchant for spinning out unbelievably ill jams with your turntables and mixing gear. You like to rave about bands no one's ever heard of but you. You collect weird dead things preserved in various ways. You are an amateur photographer and operate your own makeshift darkroom. You maintain a number of ironically humorous blogs, websites, and social networking profiles. And if the inspiration strikes, you won't hesitate to drop some fat rhymes on a mofo and represent. What will you do? Quickly retrieve arms from cinder blocks. Nah. Get the damn beta and save your friend's life. This notion strikes you as nonsensical. You can't imagine how a video game could save someone's life, and in any case, you're quite sure no one you know is in danger. Anyway, these are your copies of the beta you received in the mail recently. You've labeled them with your name in bold red print to distinguish them from your bro's copies, who labeled his in kind. Neither of you really gives a shit about this game or has any intention of playing it, but you'll be damned if you'll let that get in the way of your campaign of one-upmanship. Bleat like a goat and piss on your turntable. You would never consider allowing any fluid even remotely resembling urine to touch your beloved turntables. That would risk breaking them, and a world without the gift of your godly science just doesn't sound like a place you want any part of. While you're at it, you might as well wipe out human civilization with a meteor or something ridiculous like that, which will probably never happen. That sort of thing only happens in stupid idiot movies for stupid idiots. You will, however, contemplate bleeding like a goat for ironically humorous purposes at a later date. Examine Closet This is your closet. This is where you keep a lot of your crap. Like that box and that bottle of... What is that? Is that... Check the blue box. This is the package that your friend John Egbert sent to you for your 13th birthday a little while ago. It now contains nothing except for a note and a certificate of authenticity, vouching for the genuine Hollywood memorabilia of which the box originally contained, and which you are now wearing to be ironic, but also to be incredibly cool in a way somehow intangibly related to the ironic nature of the accessory. You find it sort of exasperating to explain these subtleties to people. The box also included a signed photo of Ben Stiller, which now proudly hangs above your closet. Proudly and ironically. Take box. You catalog the box through your hash map fetch modus. 
Your modus's current hash function resolves the index by valuing each consonant at 2 and each vowel at 1. The total is divided by your number of cards, and the remainder is the index. Box equals 2 plus 1 plus 2 equals 5. 5 divided by 10 equals 5. The box is cataloged in card 5. Examine jar of unknown yellow substance in the closet. Oh, hell yes. It is an unopened container of apple juice. You thought you were all out. It is like fucking Christmas up in here. This is so great. You've got to tell John about this immediately. He'll be so excited. Take juice. You catalog the juice into card 7. 2 plus 1 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1 divided by 10 equals 7. Access Pester Chum and Pester John. In addition to letting your buddy know about this outstanding juice windfall, you figure you'll wish him a happy birthday while you're at it. In your own cool, sort of roundabout way, of course. Good thing you looked at that box he sent you, or you might have forgotten. You also might as well ask him about the beta. The kid's been harping about it for weeks. It would be cool if it came in on his birthday. He'd be one happy camper. So instead of rereading this, uh, this is just the conversation from Act 1, Part 1 between um, John and Dave, where, you know, Dave talks about the stuff that he just said he was going to talk about. Go online and view sites indicative of your interests. You open the Hephaestus web browser and direct it to your ironically maintained blog where you post monthly satirical reviews of GameBro magazine. Your latest post is a review of the March issue. You've been meaning to write a review of the last issue too, but you've been sort of dogging it. Something about the game they're reviewing just doesn't strike you as ripe for satirical purposes. In a new tab, you open another one of your sites, a webcomic ironically maintained through a satirical cipher vaguely similar to that of your blog. It's called Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff. You have legions of devoted fans, most of whom are totally convinced of your creative persona's sincerity, which is just how you like it. Check the latest page of The Midnight Crew. You figure as long as you're chilling at your computer, you might as well see how the new MSPA story is going. You haven't looked at it in a while. Midnight Crew You are members of a sinister gang called the Midnight Crew. Your nefarious plots are serpentine in complexity. Your schemes convoluted. You are planning a heist in your underground hideout. What will you do? Use Occam's Razor on plans and schemes. Spade Slick uses Occam's razor to carve a circular hole into heist plans, freeing it from the knife. You wonder what moron would jam the knife so hard into the table in the first place. Climb ladder and exit hideout. Implement nefarious plot. You push against the manhole cover, but it seems some unbelievable jackass has parked your gateway van on top of it. The familiar feeling stirs. That rage is overwhelming. Soul-blackening rage. It's the sort of rage that'll make a man feel totally justified in sporting an unnecessary elaborate assortment of fancy blades. Skip ahead a hundred pages or so. You don't remember where you last left off, so you jump way ahead. You always forget to save your place in the story. It looks like the tempers have become short in this pressure cooker already. You speculate that the tipping point may have been an ill-advised motion for a game of 52 pickup. Save your place, read it later. Even though the adventure began recently, it's already over 3,000 pages long. You just don't have the time for this bullshit. You'll catch up later. Besides, it looks like someone's pestering you. You're pretty sure you know who it is. Answer Chum. 
T.T. In some cultures, the persistent refusal of a lady's invitation to play a game with her would be a sign wanton of disrespect. Either that or flagrant homosexuality. T.G. What? Oh, no. No, look. I'm busy, okay? I've got a lot of shit on my plate. I'm sort of a big deal, okay? T.T. I know. Sometimes I wonder how you are ever allowed to pay for meals in restaurants. It must be hard to keep a low profile when you're always overhearing odd voices whisper, It's that guy who has a blog. T.G. Seriously. Dudes be worshipping me left and right. I can't hardly walk down the street without stepping over torsos of the prostrate. T.T. Navigating the urban landscape, I'm sure, is difficult enough without the obstacle course of deferential flesh and skyward asses. Perhaps adapting the art of parkour to your unique environment would help? T.G. Yeah, I mean, damn. Like there's this scruffy little shit at my feet, an orphan or something, I don't know, face flush on the pavement. I'm like, dude, you listening for a stampede or a buffalo or something? He braves a look at me, then gives my shoe a little kiss and scurries the fuck off. T.T. Heavy is the crown. T.G. Yeah. Not kicking Oliver Twist in the fucking face every day is my gift to the world, I guess. T.T. Breathtaking magnanimity. T.G. Among other things. I just give and fucking give. T.T. Indeed, nary a jewel tumbles from your wish-box of daily exploits, which I imagine does not sparkle. T.T. Oh, for fuck's sake, you're just lobbying for me to play that dumb game. T.T. Faceless accusation. T.G. Look, I am telling you, Egbert is all about that game. He will play it with you and probably be tickled ridiculous about it. T.T. I know this very well. I cannot hasten his mail's delivery, however. T.G. Yeah, yeah, I'll hassle him some more about it. And look, how about this? If you ever find yourself in the position where your life depends on me playing that piece of shit game, then I'll play. Will that make you happy? T.T. More than you know. It perfectly mollifies my grief over the demise of chivalry. John, what are you doing? Stop doing nothing. Meanwhile, in the present, in a place where the present may be a concept of dubious merit, John is spacing out. But a vague and forceful thought jolts him to attention. Or maybe it is that bumping sound coming from the other side of the door. What is that? A thick, unpleasant fluid pools from beneath the door. Troubling. Investigate this. There is a trail of this fluid in the hall, leading to your room. Dave, play some hauntingly sick beats. You've had enough of the computer for a while. You feel like you've been messing around on it all week. It's time to get your jam on. You pull up to your trusty Akai MPC-1000 sampler and prepare to get sick nasty. Left knob, volume for current sample. Right knob, master volume. Store patterns in F1, F2, F3 buttons. So this is a little fun sampler thing to mess around with. If you would like to. Nothing really plot important. Take sip of the apple juice, despite what John said. Those beats were so fresh they belong in the produce aisle, is what you're talking about. Soccer moms be thumping that shit for ripeness like melons, know what I'm saying? After beats that fresh, it would be a crime not to reward yourself with celebrity swig. 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 divided by 10 equals 7. You can't do it. John's got you all twisted up inside now. 
All he can think about is Mandel's gross monster piss. Damn you, Egbert. You recapture log the juice. Allocate sword to strife specimus. Your strife specimus is already allocated with the blade kind, Abstratus. There is no need to allocate it. You can wield your sweet ninja sword as a weapon once it is in your strife deck, but you will have to capture log it first before moving it there. Capture log sword. The ninja sword, 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1, plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 2, equals 17, take out 10, equals 7. Occupies the same card as juice, 2 plus 1 plus 1, 2 plus 1 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1, equals 7, take out 10, equals 7. Expelling the juice from your Silodex. It splashes all over your turntable and your copies of the beta. Arg. Get a towel or something. You head out to get a towel from the bathroom across the hall. You glance at one of the many radical puppets in your bro's collection and nod in approval. Is there anything not awesome about your bro? No, you think not. You enter the bathroom. There's a damp towel on the floor you can probably use for this crisis. You stop to pay a little respect to one of your bro's toys up there. Hey, little man. How's it hanging? Capture log damp towel. You take the damp towel... 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 equals 15, take out 10 equals 5. Expelling the box, 2 plus 1 plus 2 equals 5, take out 10 equals 5. Search the bathroom for something slightly less damp. Nah, you just decide to wring this towel out in the toilet to make it less damp. Now it's just a towel. 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 equals 8, take out 10 equals 8. Take towel. You take the towel and grab the box again while you're at it. Clean up the juice. You clean 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 1 plus 2 equals 8 up the juice with the towel and hang the damp beta envelopes on your line to dry off. In the breeze of the fan, the betas jostle near the open window. This arrangement is a little disconcerting. If they fell out, it sure would be a stupid way to lose them. Turn off the fan. The crisis is easily averted. You can't imagine it will ever resurface later in any way, shape, or form. That beta is as good as yours forever. You should probably go pester Egbert again. You wonder if he found the beta yet. You might also chat about your respective Silodices and fetch modi. If the topic happens to come up, you wonder if he is anywhere near as smooth with his Silodex as you are. Probably not. It's probably not even humanly possible. Suddenly, a rambunctious crow flies in the open window and snatches the beta, possibly to make a nest with, or maybe just for the sake of being a brainless, feathery asshole. You yell at the bird. Stop! 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 equals 7. You accidentally launch your ninja sword. Everything goes flying out the window, dead bird and all. No one can ever know about this. Look out window. Yeah, you can kiss all that stuff goodbye. You feel sorry for the bird, but at least you never planned on ever using that beta ever. Anyway, now that bit of ugliness is behind you, you guess you can look forward to several more hours of messing around in your room. Whoa, wait, what? Oh, snap. You're prepared to descend the stairs of your living room. You are standing eye to eye with a familiar foe, a twenty-foot-tall granite statue of the mighty wizard Zasserpan the Learned. Your mother had him installed through a hole in the roof with a heavy-duty crane. Just look at that mystical gaze. To peer into those aloof glassen eyes is to arrest the curiosity of any mortal. 
to behold the wisdom concealed in the furrows of that venerable face is to know the ceaseless joys of bewilderment itself any man so fortunate as to catch askance his merry twinkle or twitch of whisker shall surely have all his dreams fulfilled you find this grisly abomination utterly detestable psychoanalyze mother's love of wizards there was nothing to psychoanalyze your mother clearly has no real affinity for these damnable things she only collects them to spite you if anything she finds them even more repellent than you do she's just a committed woman go downstairs to the kitchen back door you descend to the living room area of your home's expansive open layout there is the sound of rushing water beneath the floor it tends to strike guests as a strange presence in the living space but it's become hardly audible to you through familiarity there's the front door but hopefully there's no need to make the long trek around the house in the rain you might as well see if you can slip through the kitchen and out the back unnoticed view mother solid copper vacuum statue okay but it's bronze not copper but it wasn't always a while ago you gave this as an ironic gift to your mom for mother's day you even customized it with a drink holder to support one of her ubiquitous alcoholic beverages she liked the gift so much she had it bronzed and put on this pedestal she even left it plugged in so it can still be turned on now and then but never to do any cleaning it never leaves the display sometimes at night when you're in your room you can hear it wailing from downstairs she must know you can hear it she's completely deranged grab the eldritch princess it's too big to catch a log not that you would want to move it anyway the pretty princess doll has been sitting there for months ever since your mother got this abomination for your birthday as a totally passive-aggressive gesture you decided to make it much less abominable by knitting her majesty a new head and arms now it brings a mischievous smile to your face whenever you walk by your mother hasn't removed the doll yet and probably never will she would never be the one to blink first acquire umbrella for protection from elements u greater than l u less than v you're going to have a hell of a time accessing that card when you need it you guess you'll just cross that bridge later peek inside kitchen the liquor bottles are out in full force mom is surely nearby investigate richly colored object in middle of screen that would be your refrigerator whose surfaces have customarily served as the battlefield for a chilly siege of passive aggressive one-upmanship this was a drawing you did of your cat jasper when you were younger along with a poem about him your mother bought this ostentatious fifteen thousand dollar frame for it and had it welded to the door using the colorful magnet letters you recently left a succinct message which may or may not have been directed towards anyone in particular but you couldn't find the letter w so you just stuck two v's together your mother then purchased a fresh pack of w's and left them there for your convenience appreciative of the thoughtful gesture you left her a sincere thank you note which you had legally notarized and then marked with a drop of blood but part of it was touching the floor so your mother was kind enough to lift the lower portion of the document with a velvet pillow attach a w to face as a fake mustache this is incredibly silly and you're not sure how it fits into your campaign against your mother or getting your computer back online to escape your doom but it's hard to resist getting a little silly sometimes especially when you are absolutely positive no one was watching capture log w w greater than l w greater than b but that insightly void in the w pack won't do nor will the gash in the plastic 
You deposit 12 cents in its place, which is your approximation of the letter's value. You also make a vow to return later and neatly sew the plastic shut. Think of ways to one-up mother. You now wonder how to address the pillow situation. It seems the woman has you at a clear disadvantage. Perhaps slipping a fresh doily under the pillow will do the trick. Or maybe spilling a bit of Worcestershire sauce on it and then having it dry-cleaned and returned along with a laboriously ingratiating apology note. No, there's no time for anything like that. Or maybe, just thinking out loud here, you could use the entire pack of W's as M's? Oh yes, that would burn. But you've already done something with that W pack, and there's no need to go back and gild that lily. This is delicate business, and that pillow is screaming for rebuttal. Capsulog Velvet Pillow you decide to take the velvet pillow and lovingly embroider a poem in praise of motherhood on it. Hopefully you can pull this off before she notices it's gone. V-E greater than L, V-E less than V-I, V-E greater than U. But it causes your tree to be particularly unbalanced. It surely will auto-balance itself in a moment. And just like that, the umbrella becomes successful in the root card. That's one of the things you love about the tree modus. The happy surprises. Head out the back door. Okay, enough's enough. Time to get go. Rag. You don't know how she does that. You're never safe in this house. And of all the things to be doing during a power outage, she's up to her ironic housewife routine yet again. That mop bucket doesn't even have any water in it. What an absolute mad woman. Hop over counter, landing in a roll. This bird's gotta fly. Youth roll. Lousy goddamn stupid wizards. Meanwhile, in the past again. You're almost done patching up the hole in your window with the gaffer tape. But it's sort of hard to get any work done when people keep pestering you all day. You guess you better get that. Answer chum. Gardenostic GG began pestering Turntech Godhead TG at 1836. GG. Hi, Dave. TG. Hey, sup. GG. Not much. Sup with you, bro. Hehehehe. <laughs> ha ha. Good one. It's all right. Being chill, I guess. You know how it goes. GG. Great. Feeling cool today, Mr. Cool Guy? TG. Oh man, you know it. GG. So cool. TG. You know shit is ice cold up in here. Shit is wicked bananas, I am telling you. GG. Yay. So have you talked to John today? TG. Yeah, we were just talking a while ago about how he sucks at a silodex. Can you believe he uses stack? That kid is ridiculous. GG. LOL. Well, that doesn't sound like much fun. TG. What was it you use again? Wait, um, I forgot. Whenever we talk about your goofy modices, I get a migraine. What do you want with John? GG. Smiley face. I want to tell him happy birthday and ask him about his birthday package. TG, oh yeah, I was being sort of cagey and told him to check the mail because I was wondering if mine came yet. GG, I think it did. TG, yeah? GG, and I think mine came too. TG, so, uh, I guess you want to know if he likes it or something? GG, no, he will not open it. He will lose it. TG, oh. Uh, wow, sorry to hear that, I guess? GG. No, it's good, actually, because he will find it again later when he really needs it, 
which, of course, is why I sent it in the first place. T.G. See, why, I never get how you know these things. G.G. I don't know. I just know that I know. T.G. Hmm. All right. G.G. Anyway, I have to go. I have to feed Beck, which is always a bit of an undertaking. T.G. Man, if I were you, I would just take that fucking devil beast out behind the woodshed and blow its head off. G.G. <laughs> I don't know if I could if I tried. T.G. Yeah. Say hi to your granddad for me, too, okay? G.G. Yes, I guess an encounter with him is almost certain. It is usually... Intense. T.G. Well, yeah, isn't it always like that with family? But he sounds like a total badass. G.G. Yeah, he totally is. Anyway, gotta go. T.G. See ya. G.G. Heart. Get phone. It'll be handy to have your phone, 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1 equals 8, take out 10 equals 8, on standby so you won't always have to go back to your computer whenever someone pesters you. This way you can text message 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1 equals 18, take out 10 equals 8, people no matter where you are or what outrageously cool thing you're up to. So cool. John, pursue adversary into that room. And even meaner while, in the present, sort of, once again, the slippery antagonist eludes you. You only find more of these unpleasant, oily smears. Someone is pestering you. Both your PDA and computer register the message. This chum will know what to do. TG. All right. I'm out of my room now looking for my bro's game. EB. Oh, good. Yeah, there is no sign of Rose yet. I hope she is okay. TG. Well, if she comes back, I'll be ready. You better know what you're talking about, because this could get ugly. Brought my phone, and I also took my awesome katana with me, in case things get too hot to handle. And they always do. E.B., you mean that cheap piece of shit you have on your wall? T.G., F you! It's sharp, and it's awesome, and it's a sword. End of story. E.B., okay, I don't really care. I'm in my room again. I really think there's someone else in this house. Like monsters or something. T.G. Howie? E.B. Ha ha, I wish. T.G. Dude, monsters aren't real. That's stupid kid stuff for stupid babies. E.B. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. T.G. What are you, an idiot? Of course there are monsters in your home. You're in some weird evil monster dimension. Come on. Skepticism is the crutch of cinematic troglodytes. Like, hey, mom, dad, there's a dinosaur or a ghost or whatever in my room. Yeah, right, Junior. Go back to bed. Fuck you, Mom and Dad. How many times are we going to watch this trope unfold? It wasn't goddamn funny the first time I saw it. Just once I'd like to see Dad crap his pants when a kid says there's a vampire in his closet. Oh, shit! Everyone in the minivan! Be fucking Dad of the Year right there. E.B. Okay, okay, stop. What do I do? T.G. What do you have, a hammer? Man, so lame. Okay, whatever. You should look into weaponizing your Silodex. My bro is always getting on my case about it, but man, it's not as easy as it sounds. But if you're fighting monsters left and right, you don't have much choice. E.B. Hmm. Okay, I guess I can read up on data structures some more. How's it going there? T.G. I'm out in the living room. He's usually here, but I don't see him. 
Might be playing his mind games. He's always pulling this ninja shit. All I see is little Cal over there, so I guess he can't be far. Evie. <laughs> oh, God. So lame. TG. What? Evie. See, I just don't know why you think it's cool. His ventriloquist brapping thing. TG. Oh, Lil' Cal? No, man. Lil' Cal is the shit. Evie. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. I am just saying that being a white guy who is a rapper with a ventriloquist doll is not cool by any stretch of the imagination or by any definition of word cool, ironic or otherwise. That's all I'm saying. TG. Yeah, bullshit. Cal is dope. Puppets are awesome. John Egbert blows. The end. E.B. Yeah, more like the opposite of all those things is the thing that is true. I'm going to read. Good luck with your bro. Read your book. Stay wary of these foes. Pfft, monsters. Only ridiculous babies who poop in their diapers believe in that stuff. Rose, youth roll right out the front door. Strife. So now you get to play around with Strife. Uh, have fun with that a bit. It looks like Mom has satisfied her Strife quota for the day. She simply returns to her housework. No point in going out the front door anymore. Might as well head out the back like you originally planned. First, be the pony. Second, trample mom. You can't be the stupid pony, and frankly you can't imagine why anyone would want to. But you give the pony a begrudging pat on the snout anyway. Her name is Maplecliff. John, turn around! Data Structures for Assholes, Chapter 7. God damn it. Why do I even bother? The good news. Finally, your revolting incompetence can be put to use. Instead of accidentally firing a silex full of steak knives into a priceless oil painting or your beloved great-aunt, you can turn that fumbling fury towards one of your foes, such as the ability to grasp painfully simple concepts. The bad news. I'm tired of explaining myself hoarse to you gibbering fuckwads. In this chapter, I'll be phoning it in with liberal use of diagrams and shitty clip art. What are you going to do about it? You are going to wriggle in your own viscous secretions like the worm you are. That's what. Here, learn something for a change. Asshole notes. Purse your lips together to form a stiff pucker. Apply them firmly to my rear end. I now pronounce you man and wife. Now get in the kitchen and make my ass some dinner, bitch. You're trying to read, okay? This book is already unpleasant enough as it is without weird voices in your head nagging you to do things. Besides, I thought we already agreed there's no such thing as monsters. Fine, you'll interrupt your reading and turn around, but you don't see what could possibly be so... Oh my god, it's a monster. Don't move where the bunny gets it. And then you get to do more fighting. Rose, exit. You leave through the back door. Nearby is the transformer, which distributes electricity from the underground generator powered by the river flowing beneath your house. The transformer is struck by lightning, though, and no longer works. You wonder if your mother has any plans to have it fixed. You guess she'd rather just play her mind games in a dark house like a weirdo. You can see the mausoleum and the portable generator across your backyard. You're almost there. You regather your items and begin the soggy track to the mausoleum. Get up, John. This is no time for slumber. 
And here's more interactive fun. Rose, forget the W and make haste to the mausoleum. Retrieving the W never even crossed your mind. It's just a stupid magnet. John, salvage your weapon. Fight on. Strife. Again. Pick up. So yeah, this is just more fun throwing stuff at him. You said... Put the bunny... Back in... The box. Now why couldn't he put the bunny back in the box? Now exult. Victory. Spoils are yours. Escher Ladder. Lodestar Youth. Rumpus Buster. Boy Skylark. Gadabout Pipsqueak. Moppet of Destiny. Knee-High Pilgrim. Cool Buckaroo. Brave Sprout. Nipper Cadet. Pesky Urchin. Champ Fry. Ankle Biter. Fidgety Bopper. Plucky Tot. Juve Squirt. Green Tyke. The amazing victory allows you to scale the first two achievement rungs on your Esh Louder. You are now a plucky tot with a new feather in your cap to show for it. The Eschlotter rewards your bold descent with 125 boon dollars. You waste little time in storing them in your ceramic pork hollow. Additionally, climbing the rungs has boosted your gel viscosity and cash limit. By expanding your cash limit, you've made room for all the nice grist you just collected. You now have 32 fragments of build grist and 10 fragments of shale. What about that card? It seems the shale imp had allocated the bunny to a strife specimus. Sort of a stupid thing to use for a weapon, but you might as well grab it and stick the bunny in your strife deck while you're at it. It'll, at the very least, be safer there. Okay. You group the two strife specify in your strife portfolio. No self-respecting striper would be caught dead without one. Gather the scattered bits of your large hammer. Oddly enough, it seemed breaking the sledgehammer altered the abstratus of your hammer kind to handle kind, even going as far as to expelling the head of your smaller hammer from your deck to force compliance. You didn't even notice in the heat of battle. You grabbed the sledgehammer handle, expelling the useless harlequin figure. Now repair the hammer! You merge the sledgehammer head with its handle and return it to your strife deck, repairing the hammer kind abstratus in the process. The smaller hammer handle is ejected from the deck, since, of course, handles of any sort no longer belong there. Obviously. Fine. Now what? Dave is pestering you, but you don't have time to deal with his nonsense right now. Something is amiss in your room. You can't quite put your finger on it. Rose, hurry and activate the generator. You fire up the generator and drag a cord into the mausoleum. It, of course, would be foolish to run the generator inside a confined space. Generator safety is everyone's business. Defile tomb. Sorry, Jaspers. Have to make way for the laptop. Besides, your final resting place is already a mockery. You should have decomposed years ago under a bed of petunias like a normal cat, not given to a taxidermist and fitted with a tiny custom-tailored suit and stuffed in a coffin built for infants. Plug in your laptop. You plug in your laptop and connect to the internet signal again. Everything predictably falls out of your silodex, but you're not about to get bent out of shape about it. You have bigger fish to fry. Looks like Dave noticed you're back online. He pesters you like clockwork. And there's John. 
What on earth is he up to now? The door, John. Look at the door. You're right. Didn't Rose yank the door off its hinges and prop it on your bed? Someone or something has put it back and left it slightly ajar. Incredibly alarming. Investigate. Hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo! What? This is so outrageous. Rose. Pester John. T.G. Oh, there you are. John said your house was burning down. Are you on fire yet, or what? T.T. No, for now I have retired to the safety of a smaller building which is much closer to the forest fire threatening my residence. T.G. Oh, well, that's a relief. John told me to get the game to help you get out of there, so I'm working on that now. T.T. Working on it? T.G. Yeah, my bros copy, long story. Hey, don't tell John this, but I think he might have been right about the puppets. They're sort of starting to freak me out a little. T.T. You're referring to your brother's collection? T.G. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think it's cool and all. The semi-ironic puppet thing or whatever. Or semi-semi-ironic? Man, I don't even know. I'm just starting to think some of this shit is going a little far and it's kind of fucked up. T.T. I've seen his websites. I like them. T.G. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, well you would. Oh man, I wish little Cal wouldn't look at me like that. With those dead eyes. Jesus. Sometimes I dream that he's real and he's talking to me and I wake up in a cold sweat and basically flip the fuck out. T.T. Interesting. T.G. Oh God, why did I just tell you my dream? You're going to have a field day with that. T.T. I'm currently scrawling notes furiously into one of the many psychoanalysis journals I maintain for you, published papers forthcoming. Because, you know, it's not like either of us have anything better to do at the moment than evaluate each other's radically debilitating pathologies. T.G. Yeah, I'm gonna get moving. Oh, have you heard from John? He's not answering me. T.T. He won't answer me either. But I am watching him. I suspect he's preoccupied with the fact that he just had a bucket of water dumped on its head by the ghost of his dead grandmother, who also happens to be dressed like a clown. T.G. <laughs> All right, I'm out. Later. Interrogate this mad woman. John. Um, Nana? Nana Sprite. Yes, dear. John. Wow, you scared the living daylights out of me. Nana Sprite. Hoo 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 hoo. John. Well, I guess it was a really great prank. Good one, Nana. Anyway, are you really my dead Nana? Nana Sprite. Of course, John. I have come back to help you on your journey through the medium and beyond. I am delighted to see what a fine young man you have turned out to be, just like your father. John. Okay, I guess I'll take your word for it. I don't remember you at all. My dad said I was really young when you died. Hey, speaking of which, do you know where he is? I looked everywhere for him. Nana Sprite. Your father was kidnapped. John. Oh, no. Nana Sprite. When you crossed over to the medium, he was apprehended by the very forces of darkness which your presence here has awakened. John. What? Okay. So, what is the medium you were talking about? Nana Sprite. It is where we are now. A realm that has a ring of pure void, dividing light and darkness. It turns in the thick of the insinosphere... A place untouched by the flow of time in your universe. John, you mean because we are inside a computer or in the game software or something? Nana Sprite, a computer? Why, what is that, dear? 
Some new-fangled contraption like the horseless auto box car? John, well, uh, it's like this machine that, uh, Nana Sprite, hoo-hoo-hoo. Of course I know what a computer is, John. I was just pulling your leg, hoo-hoo-hoo. John, oh, okay. Nana Sprite, no, John, you are not inside a computer or software or anything like that. Try not to be so linear, dear. The software that brought you here was merely a mechanism that served as a gateway. Its routines, in a way, serve to invoke this realm's instance, yet it stands independently of any physical machine, and somewhat paradoxically, always has. John, I'm not sure I get it, but all right. So what do I actually need to be doing here? Nana Sprite, I think it would be best if we started with the big picture. Go on. This has been the second part of Homestuck Act 2. Uh, I am now available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so please like, subscribe, follow, rate, comment, whatever on all of those. Uh, It would be very helpful to me. It will help me reach other people. Um, And also, what would be very helpful, if you find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash sociallyanxiousdragon, and even just a dollar a month will really help me out. Um, It will help me get a paid version of SoundCloud so I can upload more on there and not have to rely more on YouTube and just just keep everything more uh, consistent. As you uh, heard, if you listened to my announcement, I will be mostly on YouTube until uh, SoundCloud frees up again, unless you're listening to this on SoundCloud in the future. Um, and uh, I will be doing one episode a week uh, one 45 minute episode is kind of what I'm shooting for a little bit less. So I don't go too close to my monthly limit and have to, uh, cut stuff out or whatever. And, um, yeah, thank you to Andrew Hussey for creating Homestuck and I will see you guys in a week.